welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, we are in for a real treat this morning. We have got Hannah Heather uh, speaking to us this morning. Many of you, yep, yep, there we go. Not everyone gets a clap, Hannah. That, we've got Hannah Heather speaking to us this morning, people. Come on. There we go. Uh, Hannah is uh, married to Adam, and uh, they have a little daughter called Thea. She is a phenomenal communicator, uh, and she has this amazing ability to make even really complicated ideas uh, really simple and easy to understand. And uh, she's going to be speaking to us this morning about prayer. Let me pray for you, Hannah, as, as, we, uh, as we hear from you. Father, thank you for Hannah. Thank you for everything that you have placed in her heart for us this morning. We pray that you would speak clearly through her to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Was it just me or did it sound like you were saying all those things, you were saying all those things about Thea? <laughs> she is a great communicator. She is all of those things. Um, it is wonderful to be with you guys this morning, and we have an open theme Sunday. And so what I would really like us to look at this morning is the book of Esther. So if you've got your Bible there, we are going to turn to Esther chapter 4, and we're going to read together. These guys are scrambling at the back, so I reckon... We might see it behind me at some point. Um, Esther chapter 4, and we're going to read together, starting at verse 15. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asks. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. What I want to do this morning is I want to talk to, um, to you guys today about prayer, um, which, I'll be honest, is a little bold considering Pete Gregg is our pastor, and he has quite literally written the book on the subject, um, but Pete's in America, so... I'm just going to go for it while he's away, and if I make any mistakes, let's just not tell him, and it'll be fine. So we'll just see, we'll just see where we end up um, with prayer, and we're looking at this passage in Esther this morning because as Christians in prayer, we have been issued a royal invitation, and like Esther approaches the throne room of the king, that is the invitation that we are issued 
into prayer and time in the presence of God to approach the King of Kings and to spend time with him and to make our request to him. And yet, if we're really honest, I wonder how many of us here, we do actually consistently kind of struggle with this thing of prayer. I know I do. And we might sit here and think, oh, I'm in Pete Gregg's church. <laughs> I should have this one absolutely down. But it's, it can be challenging. It can be a really challenging area of our lives. And I can be really guilty of knowing that the invitation is there, right? The invitation to the throne room. I know that it's there, but Instead of kind of entering the throne room and spending time with God, often my prayer life kind of just becomes like, you know, those little like emergency, please give me a parking space prayers, of which I live in the center of Guildford, so I do do a lot of those, and there's nothing wrong with those. But there is so much more on offer, isn't there, in the place of prayer? Why is it that sometimes we don't step into the invitation of all that is on offer? in the area of prayer, what we truly have access to. And I think sometimes the clue as to why we miss it can be seen in this passage in verse 2. There's this moment when the king looks at Esther, and in verse 2 it says, when the king sees her, he was pleased with her. That line kind of changes everything in this story, doesn't it? Esther enters in a a mindset of like, if I perish, I perish. But when the king sees her and is pleased with her, the whole story changes direction. He realizes that he wants her to be there. And I wonder how many of us were hesitant to approach the throne of God. We're hesitant and reluctant in our prayer lives because we're not entirely sure whether or not that's true. Is he pleased with us? Is God pleased with me? Does he want me to be there? And so what happens is we either don't really pray at all or our prayers just become quite weak. But he is pleased with you this morning. He is pleased with you. And because God is pleased with you, he wants you to be in his presence. He wants to meet you in the place of prayer. But how many of us, we find ourselves, even maybe in the prayer room here in Emmaus, we walk in and we sort of feel like imposters, like we're not supposed to really be there. A few years ago now, Adam and I went on holiday with the amazing, wonderful Mike and Jazz Crown. And yes, woo indeed, it was a lovely time. And we loved these guys. And we went to the Dominican Republic, which was so exciting for us, getting some Caribbean sun. We were so excited. And we flew to the Dominican Republic. We get to our hotel and um, and we're just so pumped for this holiday. And if anyone knows Mike Crown, he just, he makes friends with everyone. He is so good at this. So we get to reception and Mike's like immediately making friends with the guy at the till. And he's like having all this banter with him. But the only problem was this guy like didn't, he didn't speak very good English. And Mike doesn't have really any Spanish. And so Mike's like making all these jokes and we're like not really sure what this guy is understanding and what he isn't. And then I think, I'm not entirely sure, but I think Mike started referring to himself as El Presidente. Was that what happened? I I think that's what happened, and none of us know to this day why, but there's this beautiful moment, and Mike's Mike's basically bantering, like, are you going to give us an upgrade on our room? And then starts calling himself El Presidente. The guy then behind the desk immediately goes, ah, 
yes, sir, and suddenly realizes what we're talking about. And he goes, unfortunately, the president's suite is in use this week, but we have lots of other deluxe suites available and on offer, and all of us are behind Mike, like, no, nah. like, we are not president suite kind of people, right? We're like, we found this on lastminute.com, it was a bargain. We're those kinds of people, but, but this whole joke is going on, and the guy's like, yeah, no, I've got these beautiful deluxe suites, totally understand, I got you, El Presidente, here we go. <laughs> so, me, Adam, and Jazz are like, ah, what is happening, what's gonna happen next? The guy leads us to our rooms, and I'm not joking you, he takes us into an area of the resort which is called the Preferred Club. And this is literally, the resort is divided into two Preferred Club people who are like, you know, beautiful, glamorous, like amazing people. And then just the regular Joes, which of course is us. We are not Preferred Club at all in any way. And he takes us into the Preferred Club area and we walk through this beautiful bar and this beautiful welcome area. And it just, it smells of Preferred Club. Do you know what I mean? Like it just, just smelled of it. And then he takes us to our room. And um, so they, these guys go into their room, we go into ours. And it is like the most beautiful room I've ever seen in my life. It's got a private jacuzzi outside. It's got like two bottles of rum, like welcome present. And it's an all-inclusive resort. I'm like, we don't need, we don't need this in our room. And, but it was just everything you could imagine in this room. And it was this beautiful suite. And I'm looking around thinking, I don't know, maybe it's like a free upgrade. Like maybe this is just happening. And Adam is panicking. <laughs> I look at him and he's just like, nah, Hannah, we have to cut this. We got to cut this now. We're going to get to the end of this week. Have this massive bill. He's like phoning Mike and he's like, how's your room? Mike's like, it's the best. Like, we love it. <laughs> Adam's like, no, you guys, we have to cut this. Uh, but we're, we're, there we are. We're in this suite. And, um, and basically, we just can't get past the feeling of like, we are not meant to be here, <laughs> right? Like we leave our rooms, we go into the preferred club restaurant area. They give us this little like credit card that said preferred club on it. And we go in, but we're just like, what is happening, <laughs> right? Like, are we gonna get a massive bill? So we go out, we go to the restaurant, but we're all like, we'll have like half a salad and a water, please. Like, just so nervous that we're not supposed to be there. This is not the room that we booked. This is not the bill <laughs> that we want to receive at the end of the week. We don't belong here. How many of us in prayer, though, is this us, right? Like, we maybe book on to the prayer week. Maybe we find ourselves in the prayer room, but we just can't get past the feeling of, like, I'm not really supposed to be here like I've heard all this stuff that's on offer right like the supernatural miracles like answers to prayer but I'm not really supposed to be here we find ourselves kind of nervously waiting in the corner with our little salad but we're too scared to ask for anything else Back to the Dominican Republic, the next day, Adam decides to figure out what's going on. I think Adam and Jazz, because they're the very sensible people in the group. Me and Mike are just in the pool, like, yes, prepare club. So Adam and Jazz, they go to reception. They find someone with perfectly good English who looks them in the eye and says, it's a free upgrade 
enjoy it. It's on us. And in that moment, suddenly everything changed, right? Like it's no more salad. It's lobster. It's champagne. It's the whole thing. By the end of the week, we're just flashing our preferred club card like, yep. And we start to smell like preferred club people. You know, we get the whole thing. Everything changed. But here's the thing. Nothing changed, right? From the moment that the guy handed us that preferred club card, we were meant to be there. We were allowed to be. We could have everything that was available to us. But knowing that we were allowed to be there, knowing we belonged, it changed everything. See, God is pleased with us. We belong here. He is pleased with you. And I really think as soon as we get that, as soon as we get that deep down in our soul, it changes everything in our prayer life. It's no longer just about that little parking space. It's about so much more that is available to us. We no longer stand there like imposters in the throne room, too scared to ask for anything. We know that we belong. This morning, I wonder if perhaps the Holy Spirit wants to look you in the eye and say in perfect English, you belong here. It's all covered. Whatever you've done, whatever shame you might carry with you, because of the forgiveness of Jesus, you belong here. It's all taken care of. There's no bill coming. You're, you're welcome here. He is pleased with you. As you approach God, as you sit down to prayer, what expression do you imagine on his face? I want you to do that for a moment. Just picture with me. Imagine Jesus walks into this auditorium. He comes down these steps from the back. He walks up onto this stage and he spots you. And he looks you in the eye. What expression does he have on his face? Is it a smile? See, the Bible tells us that God is pleased with you. That he loves you. How many of us, we, we just struggle to picture that, that smile of God. And maybe if you struggle to picture that this morning, maybe that's because he wants to do some business here with you. Maybe he wants to show you that smile. He is pleased with you. And because of this, our access to him is unlimited. We can come, we can be with him in the place of prayer just as we are. Maybe some of you aren't praying at the moment at all. Or maybe if you are, it feels like a bit of a chore. And I want to be really clear. There are going to be some of us who are here today, and the reason we aren't praying is because deep down, we don't really believe that he is pleased with us, that he wants us to be there. And we might blame it on our busyness or our schedule, but the truth is, is there is something deep down that we're not sure. We're not sure that we can sense his pleasure over us anymore. Maybe it's some secret shame. Or maybe we kind of get this thing that God might love humanity on some grand cosmic scale, but not, not me, not me in particular. I believe God wants you to hear today that there is nothing that you have done that has wiped that smile off his face. That he loves you, that he's pleased with you, and that you belong here. But perhaps for others of us this morning, I wonder whether maybe sometimes we struggle to pray because maybe we've lost sight of something of the glory, 
right? The majesty, the power of God, the, the splendor of him as a king, the, the kind of weightiness of the invitation to the throne room. Sometimes we lose sight of exactly what he can do for us. In this passage, we see Esther approach the throne in this state of reverence and kind of preparation, this sense of sacred privilege that prayer offers us. Many of you here will have heard of the Hebridean revival, which took place in 1945 in this little rural church. They started a prayer meeting which catalyzed probably the greatest move of the spirit that we have ever seen. And there are stories of people giving their lives to Jesus literally in the middle of the street, not even at the meetings. People at work just like in the mills and stuff like that, just giving their lives to Jesus because God moved so mightily in that place. And right at the center of that revival was a preacher called Duncan Campbell. And he was the most famous man in the land. Everyone knew his name. Everyone knew what he looked like. He was the celebrity at the time, the most famous man in the land. And he heard, as he was traveling around, he heard about this little boy who was called Donald. And he heard that Donald, when he prayed, stuff just happened. Do you know anybody like that? That when they pray, stuff just seems to happen. And so Duncan Campbell decided, I need to get some time with this little boy, Donald, and find out why his prayers carry so much power and authority. And so one day, Duncan Campbell goes and visits the boy. And the little boy's mum answers the door and sees who it is and gets really excited. And she excitedly kind of runs out to the barn to tell Donald, her son, that the most famous man in the land was there to see him. And Donald replied like this. Please tell Mr. Campbell that he shall have to wait because I am having an audience with the king. Donald had discovered something in this encounter with God in the throne room that it had just changed everything. It changed the perspective on everything else. Please tell him he's going to have to wait because I am having an audience with the king. If you're really honest, when was the last time that you told someone or something that it would have to wait because you are having an audience with the king? It might not be the famous preacher Duncan Campbell, but maybe it's work or TV or Twitter or I don't know what. What is it that comes knocking for your attention when you have an appointment with the king? Perhaps we need a fresh reminder today of the sacred privilege of prayer. Augustine says, God is the reality whose center is everywhere and circumference is nowhere. He is majestic and glorious. He is king. But radically different from the king that Esther approaches. Our king is different. Esther approaches with fear for her life, right? If I perish, I perish. Our king tells us to approach with boldness, Hebrews 4 verse 6, draw near with boldness the throne of grace. So why is it that we get to be bold? Well, it's because our king is not just a king. He is a dad. And our dad is not just a dad. He is a king. Jumping over to the New Testament, Matthew 6, we have this beautiful moment when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And he says this, but when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your father. 
This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. So he goes on with the Lord's Prayer that a lot of us will know very well. Now that expression, our Father in heaven, he's speaking at this point in Aramaic and he uses the word Abba, which means father, but also kind of means dad. And I was reflecting on it this week and I was thinking, dad in the English language, I don't exactly know how he landed on it, but watching a toddler grow up and learn to speak, it's such an easy word to say. She says, dad, 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 walks around the house saying it all the time. And I was thinking, actually, if she was growing up in the Middle East, she would be saying, Abba, Abba. It's a really easy word to say. And it literally means dad. It's such an incredibly intimate and childlike way to address the king of kings. Because this king is not just a king, he is a dad. Abba. So easy to say, in fact. I tested it on Thea this morning. I said, can you say Abba? She said, Abba, Abba. <laughs> so if you want to be super pretentious, parents in the room, do this. Teach your one-year-old and then tell everyone, my child knows how to say father in Aramaic. <laughs> but it's so simple, right? Abba. And yet, so powerful. Thea's first word in the morning, nearly always. She starts her day by going, Dada. Very occasionally it's mama, mostly not. Mostly dada. And I tell you what, that is possibly the most powerful word because the way that Adam responds when he hears that dada, he's straight out of bed, he goes to her. There is nothing really that could stop him from going to her side when she says dada. And this is how Jesus teaches us to pray with that kind of intimacy and that kind of power. Right, because no good father ignores the cry of their child. When they hear dada, there's pretty much nothing that they wouldn't do to get there, right? And so Jesus teaches us, Abba, you must pray this way when you approach the king of kings. This is what Brennan Manning calls Jesus starting a one-word revolution, the Abba revolution. It's an invitation to radical intimacy and it's profoundly powerful because it moves something in the very heart of heaven. Our king is not just a king, he's a dad. But this dad is not just a dad, he's the king with all the authority of heaven at his disposal. Jesus' advice on prayer is revolutionary. It's also incredibly simple. Right, go into your room, shut the door, and use the first word that most toddlers say in the morning, Abba. John Ortberg says that prayer, more than any other activity, puts us in the flow of the Spirit. And I love that idea of waking up in the morning, getting a coffee, a large coffee, if you have a toddler, <laughs> and just Putting yourself in the flow of the Spirit, right? Starting your day that way. Seeking the throne room, getting in his presence, and then doing just everything you can to stay in that place all day. And here at Emmaus, we, we have a vision for this, right? And we, as a, as, a, as a people, as a church, as a family here, we don't want to be people who are surviving our prayer lives or 
or just kind of ticking by. We want to thrive, right? We want to go after this thing of prayer. We want to be those people, like, you know, that little boy Donald? Like, I want to be one of those people that you're like, oh, if you ask Hannah to pray for you, something mad might happen. Like, I want, I want to go after that. And I think we as a church want to go after that. And if today you're thinking, you know what? I want to up my game here. I want to step into all that's available. I want to just take my preferred club card, right? And start really putting it to use. Like what is on offer for me in the throne room? Maybe you need to just push yourself out there a little bit. Maybe you need to have a conversation with Jill Weber. I don't think Jill's here this morning, but Jill is heading up all of our prayer stuff, and she has incredible schemes to see this city transformed through prayer. So maybe you need to have a chat with her. Maybe you need to sign up for a prayer week or for one of our encounter evenings for Kingdom Come. Maybe we need to begin to step out a little bit more as a church. Maybe we need to start saying no when someone's knocking I mean, I don't mean literally every time someone knocks on your door, tell them to go away, but maybe we start, we need to start saying no to stuff because we need to have an audience with the king. So we're going to close this morning. And as we do, I wonder if maybe for some of us here today, God is, he's just wanting to remind you this morning that he's pleased with you. Maybe you've lost sight of that. Maybe you never really knew if that was true. And maybe he's wanting to look you in the eye and say, you belong here. I am so glad that you're here. I love spending time with you. I'm so glad that you're here. You belong. He's been waiting for you. Right? He's missed you. He wants you to know today that he's pleased. For others of us today, maybe we need this reminder that he is powerful. Right, that our our dad is not just dad, he's also king. Maybe there's some situation we need breakthrough in. Maybe we want to step out in the supernatural, whatever it might be. We need to remember this morning that he has all the authority of heaven at his disposal. Maybe we need to start to pray more ambitious prayers today. We need to remember that our prayers move the muscles of heaven. Right, in that simple Abba, there's not much he wouldn't do for his kids, right? Maybe today there's just a really simple invitation to you to join in with Jesus' one word, revolution. To remember that he is dad. To go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Abba, your dad who is waiting. I'm going to pray for us. Is that all right, Bill? Great. Why don't we just close our eyes? Oh, Jesus, I want to thank you this morning for that one word revolution that you started. I want to thank you that you teach us to say, Abba. God, I thank you for the radical intimacy that you have invited us into in the place of prayer. And God, this morning we want this, we want this throne room, we want to step into it. I pray that you would help each one of us individually and as a church to step deeper into all the things that you have on offer for us. Would you teach us what it means to be people of prayer? Would you help us to run after this with all that we've got? We love you, Jesus. Amen.